Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in the lovely Greenville area of South Carolina. I'm your host, as always, Stan McCune, realtor in the greater Greenville area, and you can find all of my contact information in the show notes on whatever podcast app that you're using. I should be on pretty much all the podcast apps that are out there that are the, the most mainstream ones, but if there's any that you like to use and this show isn't on there, please let me know via the contact information in the show notes for whichever one you're listening to uh, right now as you're listening to this. Um, and if you're listening on your preferred podcast app, please make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any future episodes of Selling Greenville. Please make sure that you rate this five stars so we can drown out the haters that have given me a couple of low ratings. And I would appreciate if you guys could leave a short little review. I, I really take notice of that um, when whenever someone does that, and I and I greatly appreciate it. Um, I am back from the dead here. I have endured a grueling last three or four days of a cold type of virus. It's not COVID. Don't worry. Um, I got tested. It was negative, and I've had this sickness before many times. Um, but I have been through two giant boxes of tissues in the past four days. I'm now applying lotion to my nose. Um, I've been clearing my throat pretty much constantly until today. Today, I've, I've really, I'm recording this on Tuesday, March the 22nd. I finally feel like I'm pulling out of this. Um, but you'll notice my voice probably sounds a little bit scratchy and a little bit perhaps even deeper than normal. And that is why I am barely even able to record this I'll probably have to pause a few times to cough, um, but you guys won't know that because I will edit that out, hopefully. Um, I, I will do my best, at least. Um, but I want to talk to you guys today, as I am overcoming the sickness that's spreading around, about a statistic that I just kind of stumbled upon that is kind of, it's actually a combination of statistics, but it's it's an anomaly that I have not yet seen before, and I posted about this on social media um, if you're friends with me on Facebook, um, you'll see that's primarily where I post my real estate takes, um, even though I'm on other social media platforms. Um, but I posted about this on Facebook because I found it very interesting and it got some engagement. And I thought, you know what, this is an interesting enough statistic that it's worth actually discussing on the pod. And so we've talked ad nauseum, right, about how this is a seller's market. We all know that. Anyone that is attempting to buy in this market is seeing that there are bidding wars everywhere, you know, multiple offers on everything. Um, it's very, very difficult to get a house under contract right now, the way the market currently is if you're a buyer. Um, well, there is yet another statistic that shows from kind of a different angle just the extent to which it is a seller's market. Um, and there, there's a lot to unpack here. It's more than just a statistic, which is why we're going to be discussing it in this entire episode. Um, but when we look at the past nine months, which have been, you know, really crazy, even during the winter season, um, we had a little bit of a seasonal slowdown, but it was still a very hot market from a seller's perspective. Again, supply and demand. We've talked about this a lot. Supply very low. Even if demand diminishes like it does normally during the winter, it's not nearly what it needs to be in order to offset the low supply. 
Um, so the past nine months, Greenville, and, and when I say Greenville, this is looking at the greater Greenville area. So this is looking at the Greenville, this is based on the Greenville MLS statistics, which sometimes gets properties in Pickens and Anderson and Spartanburg. So think about this, loosely speaking, the, the Greenville area. Um, fewer properties have gone under contract year on year in seven of the past nine months. In other words, um, year on year means we look at the month of February of this year and compare it to the month of February of last year and then see have listings. Are there more listings or are there fewer listings for the month of February this year versus last year? So seven of the past nine months, we have had fewer properties going under contract year on year. But, but in spite of that, you would expect what would normally happen uh, when you have fewer properties going under contract year on year. You would expect there would be fewer closings, right? That would be the normal thing that would happen. Fewer properties go under contract, therefore fewer actually sell, fewer get to closings. However, in all but two of those months, we actually saw a greater number of closings. So even though, generally speaking, we are seeing fewer properties going under contract. And and by the way, um, that you shouldn't be alarmed by that. That doesn't signal a shift in the market like, oh no, fewer people um, are, are buying properties. No, that's a direct result of there being fewer listings on the market. Okay, so there's fewer properties to buy, therefore fewer properties are going under contract. Um, but we saw a majority of those months, more closings year on year. How in the world can that be accurate? How can you have more closings year on year in several of these months when you had fewer properties going under contracts in those months? Um, and 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 there's a, a lot of possibilities. I'm, I'm not going to suggest that I have the only possible answer. Um, and one uh, person who is uh, a realtor in new construction, when I posed this question, responded that he believed, because this is the world that he's in, in new construction, he believed that it might have something to do with the fact that new construction sales are taking longer than they normally do, right? So normally, if you decide to build new construction, you go under contract, um, you know, for the land, you pick out your house, you design the house, you know, whatever spec home type of a build that you want. And then they start building and then you close, you know, maybe six months later. Um, in a lot of communities now, for really the past year and a half, it can take a year, sometimes even longer uh, for from the time that they go under contract until closing. And so, this realtor speculated that because of that, that that could be a big part of it. That whereas normally we would have seen the new construction closings happening at, you know, around six or nine months. Instead, it's going closer to 12 months or, or more. Um, that could be a small factor into this. I do not think it's a big factor because A, new construction closings are a small chunk of the overall pie to begin with. 
Um, B, this was, we're looking at a nine-month sample here. So you would have thought towards the end of that sample that we would have seen some of those new construction closings popping in, right? Because this phenomenon of new construction taking a year has been going on for over a year now. So we should have seen uh, some of these new construction closings that have been delayed should have started to pop up at least towards the end of the sample that I was looking at. Um, and of, of course it didn't because the, the sample, the nine months that I looked at, the last few months in there uh, fit this phenomenon of fewer properties under contract, but more closings. Um, and then additionally, probably more importantly than any of these things, usually builders do not end up putting new uh, properties that are under contract in the MLS, right? Normally, they have their own internal database of what's under contract. They don't enter into the MLS until after it closes. So you don't actually um, get the benefit of looking and seeing, okay, what is under contract this month, that month, whatever, in, in all these new construction communities. Usually, they don't do that except for the homes that are the, the spec homes that they've already started building that they are then marketing to the public. Um, those that purchase a or, or get under contract for a lot and then build on that lot themselves, that doesn't get, if, if it gets entered into the MLS at all, it doesn't usually get entered until closing. So I don't think that that is really a big factor here. Here's what I think is the factor. Here is my theory. I believe that the reason why fewer properties are going under contract but more closings are happening is because fewer contracts are falling through than ever before. And this is, again, I don't want to bore you guys with how much you know data we can justify that it's a seller's market, but this is a very interesting aspect of it that I think is worth just at least considering that more than ever, if you get a property under contract to sell, it is going to get to closing. Um, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I know that historically, a decently large percentage of closings did not, uh, or a decently large percentage of contracts did not get to closing. Um, and there's a variety of reasons for that, most often due to buyer financing, but could also be due to condition of the property, maybe the buyer backs out. Who knows? There's a lot of different contingencies. Low appraisals can happen. All these different things. Um, but over the past nine months in particular, we have seen the trend get to the point where it's almost a sure done deal. If you are a seller and your house gets under contract, it is not going to fall through. It is going to get to closing. Now, why? What what, it, what all is happening there? This is where I want to just discuss, and this isn't going to take super long. I'm not going to keep you guys here. But what, as we think through, what exactly is the dynamic there that's, that's making it so unlikely for a contract to fall through as opposed to the past? Well, I think for starters, sellers are able to be a lot choosier with their buyers than they ever have ever, at any other time. Now, me as a listing agent, I represent both buyers and sellers. When I'm a listing agent, I always recommend to my sellers to be choosy with their buyers. 
um, I always try to vet out the buyers as much as I can. There's obviously limited information that we have. Um, sometimes it's just paper that we can look at, you know, just signatures and just have to read between the lines of their offer. But if an offer comes in and there are red flags about the buyer, I do not, as a listing agent, feel bad about advising my seller, hey, there are some red flags about this offer that make me concerned. Maybe this buyer is is barely, barely able to, to make this purchase. Or maybe this buyer, you know, isn't as in love with this property as you would think. Um, there are a lot of different ways to kind of read between the lines on an offer, uh, different ways that uh, a buyer that is really serious can have a very serious offer. Um, and so even when we're not in a seller's market, I always recommend to my sellers, I, I'm not the type of listing agent that just wants to get a property under contract, right? I don't want just another notch on my belt. That's the case for a lot of people. For me, I want that notch on my belt to be a closing. I don't want it to be a contract. So I prioritize getting under contract with someone that will actually get to closing. I had um, a listing uh, a few weeks ago that was one of those where we got multiple offers. And honestly, I've had a, a ton of these the past year. We had a, a, several different offers that kind of came in at different times um, that after talking with my seller, I, I basically talked the, the seller out of accepting uh, the offers. Now, we would typically counter or you know go back and forth or do some additional vetting on perhaps the financing or this or that before determining that we were not going to move forward with them or before the other party determined that they didn't want to move forward anymore. But um, that is the type of process that a good listing agent does. They make sure that a property doesn't just get under contract. Because if you get under contract and then don't get to closings, it can be a huge waste of time and money for everyone. And it's, it's not ideal. And those of you that have been through that at some point, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, right now, I'm saying that, that you should do that in any market. But right now, when there are so many multiple offer situations, sellers are able to be choosier than ever. Because, hey, if you're looking at 20 offers, then, you know, basically you're going to pick out the the top two, three, four of them. And essentially, those are the ones that you're going to seriously consider. You're not even going to cons consider the other 16. So here you go. You've got the top four offers. Okay, now let's look at what are the, what are the considerations with these top four offers. Um, and so what's happening is sellers are able to, and, and good listing agents, are able to narrow the pool down to the most attractive offers and the offers that have the most likelihood of getting to closing. Um, I've mentioned this in a previous podcast. Right now, uh, over a quarter, over a fourth of our closings are all cash right now. Over a fourth. That's a huge number. Well, so you know, on average, you get 20 offers on a property five of those offers, maybe even more, are going to be cash. You can just kind of assume that. Um, those are immediately going to be the ones that sellers look at because those have fewer contingencies. And of course, contingencies are the things that cause a property to be, or, or cause a contract to be more likely to not get to closing. And 
By the way, what that then means is that as sellers are then gravitating more towards these cash buyers, um, those cash buyers are oftentimes going to be the ones that they, they have a much higher likelihood of getting to closing anyway. So it's there's kind of this uh, tug and pull going on here where sellers are able to be more choosy. And then the buyers that are out there, there's a higher percentage of, of uh, buyers that are less likely to fall through because they are cash buyers. They have all, fewer contingencies. Financing and appraisal contingencies um, are probably the two number one reasons why contracts don't get to closing. If you see a, a, a contract that falls apart, almost always it's going to be due to buyer financing or due to a low appraisal. And so when you have a cash offer, it eliminates those contingencies altogether. R- really, the only contingency that might be left are related to inspections. And most of the time, inspection-related problems uh, can be worked out by the buyer and seller. So again, the dynamic, sellers are able to be choosier. And then as they're being choosier, they've got this much higher pool of very qualified cash buyers that are almost certainly going to get to closing available to them, much higher than has we've ever seen in the past. And so um, those two things combined make for a very powerful combination that's causing fewer contracts to fall through. Another um, aspect of this, oh, I, I, you know, I actually didn't have this written down, but um, this just came to mind with us talking about the, the cash buyers. Basically, the past two years, there have not been any home sale contingencies, out, except the rare instance of when a home that is being purchased is has been on the market for a while. Maybe it's overpriced, or maybe something weird happened that that caused it to not go under contract at one point, uh, or fall through, or whatever. And now it's been on the market for a while, and now it's languishing, um, et cetera, et cetera. But sellers, part of them being choosy, is that they are not even looking at offers if there is a home sale contingency. What's a home sale contingency? If you're new to the show or or new to the idea. Um, a home sale contingency is when you're trying to purchase a home, but in order to purchase a home, you have to sell your home. And this was a very common contingency until COVID. It was very, uh, it it definitely didn't help your offer. And, you know, in a multiple offer situation, you would still be unlikely to win. But it wasn't completely out of the ordinary that someone that was selling their home would um would then be looking to buy a home and that purchase would be contingent on them selling their home. And so what would happen is if then their home sale fell through, then the contract on the home that they were buying would also just automatically fall through and then uh, the, they would be able to get their earnest money back. Well, sometimes we'd have these crazy cascading things where there was um, one buyer was buying a house that was contingent on the sale of their house and that contract uh, for the sale of their house was also contingent on on uh, another sale. And so we had this domino of, of home sale contingencies that if one of them fell, all of them would fall. Um, and those were the types of things that, again, as, as a listing agent, I would always try to avoid that type of situation. Um, but what has happened the past two years, sellers, again, unless their home has been on the market for a while, they're not even thinking about those offers. I mean, 
a home a new home comes on the market um <laughs> I, I just i hate it i hate it because i don't like the market being this way but if you need to sell your home you're stuck you you have to sell your home and then rent or uh sell your home and then ask to be able to lease it back for a couple months or something like that that is your own the only shot that you have in order to be able to make that type of uh, of arrangement where you're able to sell and then buy that is that has completely changed and that e- even though the percentage of contracts that had a home sale contingency on them uh, was is substantially lower has always been substantially lower than just all these other contingencies um, all the other types of contracts that have other contingencies that contingency in particular was always the scariest one and the one that posed the great risk to contracts. So we basically, the market has purged those offers entirely. We are not seeing contracts fall apart due to home sale contingencies because home sale contingencies are gone. Now, they're not gone for good. They will return at some point when the market slows down. But at this moment, in March 2022, they are gone. We do not see them. It is, you know, I might see one of them this entire year. Um, assuming there's not a major market correction. So that's another big aspect of this, is, and that's kind of a sub-point of sellers be a, being able to be more choosy. Um, it, it also is a factor in how buyers are able, are, are more qualified as well, because you know a lot of them are just moving forward and just selling the house first. Um, or in a situation where they maybe they have enough money enough money in the bank uh, that they can purchase without selling their house. And then after they purchase, then they then they sell their house. There's a lot of different things going on here. Um, but the net result of it all is that the buyers are more qualified. Um, there's a couple other factors here. I and, and I have seen this personally, again, because I represent both buyers and sellers. Um, buyers are it's it's taking so much effort to go under contract i mean you're having to put offers if you're a buyer right now you're having to put offers on so many properties before you get one buyers are having to be more serious than ever and come to grips with the fact that they might not be able to find another house if they you know in the past right if you got a house under contract you might then the next week see another house that's like, ooh, wow, I like that one even more. Maybe I should just try to get out of this contract and, and try to put an offer on that one. That is no longer the case. Why? Because whereas, you know, back a few years ago, you could reasonably expect a house to come on the market and it wouldn't sell for a week or two. If you made a full price offer right away, you would get it. That's no longer the case anymore. Now, you, if you make an offer thirty, forty thousand dollars above what it's listed for, you might still get outbid, and so buyers are having to come to terms with the fact that they, if they back out of a contract, they might be basically homeless <laughs> in, in a few months. I mean, depending on what the situation is, if they have a if they have a lease coming up. Um, that you know they have a deadline for. If they have other deadlines that have to be met, whatever the case may be, they are having to get very serious with the fact that if they have a house under contract, good for them. Stick with it. 
get to closing. Even if you think you see other things coming on the market that you might like more, you probably won't be able to get them. Even if you run into issues with this house, unless those are major issues that are irreversible and that you simply can't live with, um, you know, things, for instance, uh, an irreversible thing you might not be able to live with would be, you know, termite damage is found not just in the crawl space, but all the way up into the walls, threatening the entire uh, tech, uh, structural integrity of the house. Um, those are kind of the only things at this point that you can uh, feel good about backing out because there is no guarantee that you will be able to quickly get back under contract with another house. It's going to take you, and in my experience, for people that are uh, looking you know, at the below $350,000 price point, it's taking roughly four to five offers before they finally get one accepted. And, you know, there's a lot of factors behind that. Some of that is they get more aggressive as the offers go along. They realize that I'm not just crying wolf. I'm not just saying, hey, you've got to go $30,000 above what it's listed for in order to have a shot at it. A lot of people don't, they don't want to hear that the first go around. And so, you know, they'll just go $10,000 above um, or they'll, you know, They'll, they'll waive this contingency kind of sort of, um, even though I'm saying you probably need to do a little bit more than that. Um, I never want to be too pushy. People sometimes have to learn it themselves. Um, and so that's usually what happens. Usually as people, um, as buyers that are looking, keep getting outbid, they get a little bit more aggressive. And so usually by the fourth or fifth offer, we're able to get something accepted. After that, um, once you get it under contract, uh, you and having gone through all that, having looked at 10, 15 houses, and having put offers on homes that you had your hopes up for and kept getting outbid for, um, you have a, a dose of reality and you realize, I not only do I not want to do this again, I don't, you know, I don't know that I have another 10, 15 showings and four to five offers left in me. Um, not, I'm not saying that as, as a buyer's agent, I'm saying a lot of buyers, they get that buyer fatigue after a while. Um, and so I think that that's a big factor in this is that whereas buyers, um, in the past, they might get something under contract and then find a way to weasel themselves out of it. They're being a lot more serious now. And of course, part of this too, is that sellers are able to demand more, uh, seller friendly contracts, maybe with non-refundable earnest money, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result of that, um, that gives buyers more skin in the game, which is my next uh, and really last point here is that um, buyers are having to have more skin in the game and having to waive more contingencies um, and, and potentially put themselves in a situation where they have to forfeit earnest money um, or perhaps uh, have termination fees or things like that. And as a result of all of that, um, again, they've got more skin in the game they are less likely to back out and to lose that earnest money. They've got something to, to consider. Man, if I back out, I now have to pay to the seller $3,000. Uh, you know, for a lot of people that might only have $15,000, $20,000 in the bank, that's a, a lot of money that you have just uh, exposed yourself to. So buyers are um, having to put themselves in a situation where they're having to waive those contingencies, having to be very serious about the house and, and know that it's a house that, that they legitimately want, that they are willing to waive those contingencies for. And then, 
you know, when those inspection reports come back. Whereas in the past, maybe they would, again, find a way to we- weasel themselves out or maybe, um, you know, maybe not have as much earnest money uh, forfeited. Um, now it's costing them something to back out. And so they're not willing to do that. So all of these things put together make for this fascinating dynamic that we have fewer listings coming on the market than we did a year ago, but more closings happening. And Sorry, uh, <laughs> I got to rephrase that. That was not the correct thing. We are having fewer listings coming on the market, but more importantly, we're having fewer properties going under contract. And despite fewer properties going under contract, more closings. That's the reason all of this episode is the reason that I believe that that is happening. Now, before I let you guys go, I will warn because somebody is going to pull this, you know, six or nine months from now and say, wow, Stan was way behind the times. Um, I'm going to warn that the market may be shifting. We are seeing mortgage rates go crazy right now. Um, I, I did an episode where I talked about this um, not that long ago, only a few months ago. And we've talked about it a few different times. I did not, and, and nobody anticipated mortgage rates being as high as they are now um, at this point. They are at where they are at this point in the year where most economists and people that, that understand this stuff a lot better than I do, most of them did not think this would happen until the second half of this year. Um, I do not know what that's going to do. The, the conventional logic, conventional reasoning, excuse me, you heard me choke there for a second. Conventional reasoning, conventional logic would say that um, that should hurt demand a little bit, which if it hurts demand a little bit, that should cause the market to ever so slightly slow down. Um, I don't think it's going to hurt demand a lot. In other words, I don't see this being the type of thing that's going to cause the entire market to shift. Now, there are some indicators in the economy that a recession could be coming. If that happens, um, and it will happen eventually, let's just be honest, we, we have cyclical recessions um, because we can't, you know, our government and our economy always does stupid things and there has to be a market correction at some point. It will happen at some point. Um, And that's what's going to be required to really, really cause a dramatic shift. Remember, I've gotten this question a few times, um, you know, mostly from people that are first-time homebuyers and whatnot. Um, Do you see prices going down anytime soon? No, 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 no. Listen, prices are not going down. Let's be completely frank about this. That's not how this works. Um... The only way that we would see quote unquote prices go down is if a recession happened and people started to foreclose on their homes and then those foreclosures hit the market. That is what causes prices to go down. It's it's primarily driven by foreclosures and short sales. Those take sometimes years to cycle through the system. And we're having record low numbers of foreclosures and short sales right now. So even if a recession happened tomorrow, Right, we woke up tomorrow and we're in, you know, the the Great Depression, something like that. Somehow that that happened. Maybe a crazy nuclear Holocaust uh, apocalypse type of thing happens. Um, 
that would obviously be very bad. Nobody wants nobody wants that. Um, but it, it would still take even after that a very long time for foreclosures to actually start to hit the market. And that is the primary thing that that drives prices down when a market correction happens. Um, so understand what may be shifting when I when I talk about that, when I talk in those terms, I'm not talking about things suddenly prices suddenly dropping. What we're talking about is fewer bidding wars. What we're talking about is homes staying on the market instead of two days, maybe two weeks or maybe two months. Um, things like that. That would be and and honestly, if that happens, I've said this before, that would be a healthy thing in a lot of ways. Right now, I don't think the market is particularly healthy, being as crazy of a seller's market as it is. It would be healthy if it shifted a little bit. It would be better if the shift happened because because we had more supply. But unfortunately, that's not happening anytime soon. It's going to have to happen because of, of lower demand. Um, so we will see. TBD, whether the seller's market um, sustains on this level through the entirety of, of 2022, I think at least a partial uh, slowdown is coming. But I, I anticipate it will still be probably very much a seller's market, not just this year, but in future years, barring a recession, simply because of how low supply is in comparison to demand. Um, and so it would take a tremendous drop, roughly 75% drop in demand for us to be able to, to catch up to how low the, the supply is. Not happening anytime soon. Um, and so for now, we can probably expect the trend to continue of low numbers of properties going under contract because there are low numbers of listings, but higher numbers of closings happening. Um, and that, for the time being, greatly benefits sellers. Thank you guys for listening. This went longer than I thought it would be, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. I appreciate all of you. I'd appreciate even more if you could leave a five-star rating just hit. Literally, it takes a click of a button to hit five stars on your podcast app. Um, it takes about 10 seconds to write a short little review. I'd appreciate that. And as you guys know, all of my contact information is in the show notes. Do not get the sickness that I got. But if you do, go to Costco or Sam's Club and buy one of those giant things of, uh, of uh, tissues, Kleenexes, whatever. Trust me, you won't regret it. All right. I appreciate you guys listening, and I hope you have a great rest of the week and stay healthy.